Welcome to Fully Vetted, Animal Care News from the Clinic to the Farm, presented by the Ohio Veterinary Medical Association. Thanks for tuning in to episode 44 of Fully Vetted. I'm Kristen Bennett. Today, we're continuing our 2022 Midwest Veterinary Conference preview series with Dr. Carlo Siracusa, Associate Professor of Clinical Animal Behavior and Welfare at the University of Pennsylvania. He's joined us to talk about his cat behavior sessions and to invite attendees to a special meet and greet event at the MVC. And speaking of the MVC, early bird discount prices for the in-person conference end on January 21st. So if you haven't already registered, be sure to do so after the show to ensure you get the best rate available. Prices increase on the 22nd, so don't wait. Learn more and sign up online at mvcinfo.org. And now on to the interview. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on the show. How are you doing? Well, good. And I, I'm, I'm lucky uh, to be well considering this mess with public. Absolutely. So uh, we just wanted to have you on the show to talk a little bit about your sessions at the MVC next month. Um, but first, before we get into that, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, yeah, sure. My pleasure. Uh, I'm Carlos Siracusa. I am an associate professor of clinical animal behavior and welfare of the School of Veterinary Medicine of the University of Pennsylvania, where my main duties is teaching of the new generations of veterinarians. I also do clinics. Uh, we have our behavior service in uh, which we see mostly small animals, uh, dogs and cats, and I also do some uh, clinical-related research. And it sounds like you are not originally from the United States, is that correct? Uh, no, my accent, right? Yeah. <laughs> I am originally from Italy. I did my studies there, and then I moved uh, to Spain, to Barcelona, for uh, my PhD and master's. And then I came to the United States for my residency at Penn. And uh, I ended up staying. I've been here for uh, more than 13 years, and I'm an American too now. Excellent. What is it about Pennsylvania that tops Italy? I'm curious. Oh, well, the main reason why I'm here is definitely my job, uh, my workplace at the University of Pennsylvania. It's uh, stimulating for my intellect and always being in contact with students new generation of students that want to learn. It reminds me of my dreams when I was a vet student. I have to say that most of them, if not all, they uh, become reality. Uh, so I, I'm always very enthusiastic to teach the new generation of vet students. And uh, I learned to love Philadelphia. I really like Philly and one would say that, uh, oh, food is better in Italy. That's probably true. But I have no problem finding good food in Philadelphia, too. So, And wine, too, I imagine, is a little oh, yeah. better in Italy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you speak Catalan? Yes, I do, okay. but not much. Actually, talking about wine, the language that is mostly spoken in Barcelona, in Catalonia, is Castellano, the, the, the regular Spanish. But people from Catalonia, they tend to address you in Catalan. So when I was in Barcelona, I, I have to say that when I was sober, I tended to speak Castellano because I was not brave enough to answer in Catalan. But then after a couple of glasses of wine, my Catalan would flow. Okay. <laughs> 
That's true for, for a lot of things. <laughs> when you drink wine, it tends to flow a little better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we kind of got off topic there. Our, our listeners probably weren't expecting to hear about wine in Italy. Yeah, we need to have fun, right? Right, right. Not just work. On that note, let's reel it back in. You are speaking on Saturday, February 19th at the Midwest Veterinary Conference in the Animal Behavior Track. Can you give us a brief overview of what you'll be covering? Yeah, sure. I'm speaking about one of my favorite topics. I think I will classify in what people define cat people, right? I'm a cat person. I was actually a, a cat breeder in my previous life before leaving Italy. So there is always a sweet spot in my heart for cats, and I would be talking about cat behavior. And uh, I have a series of talks. We'll start with normal, or what I prefer calling it this species-typical behavior for cats. And I have to say this is probably what is less known about cats. I always like to say cats are not small dogs. People will be like, of course. But we often forget uh, when we interact with cats that they might not like the way in which we interact with dogs. So we will uh, talk about this, uh, the social behavior of cats, what they like, what they don't like, how to make uh, households more cat-friendly according to what the cats like, not what we think they like. And then, coming from what is normal, we will talk about what happens or what might happen when this species-typical behavior is not recognized or approached in the right way. There might be a lot of troubles, uh, and we'll talk about these troubles, for example, inappropriate elimination. Uh, we will talk about aggression with people and aggression with other cats. And then we will talk about species-typical behaviors that people don't like. Probably the most well-known example will be scratching. So we will do a review from species-typical to undesired to really problematic behaviors. Excellent. So who do you think will benefit the most from your sessions? Who's your target audience? I think they are applicable to everybody because as, as I was saying, especially the foundation of what I will discuss is something that I believe every person that interacts with cats. For example, one of the hot topics is minimal stress handling. So in order to do this, it's essential to know the species-typical behavior, the species-typical communication recognizing when they are experiencing stress, when they're telling us this is a little bit too much. We'll cover the basics of the neurophysiology behind this in a very easy to understand way so we can all be on the same page and then we will discuss the species-typical behavior. And then the application, uh, for example, when there is aggression or when there is an appropriate elimination, same thing. There, there are specific aspects that are probably more suitable for veterinarians, for example, drug prescriptions, right? But all the rest, this is recommendation that apply to everybody. I think this is knowledge that everybody should feel comfortable with. Is there anything that you'll be covering that you want to specifically highlight to kind of get attendees interested in, in coming to your sessions? Yes. One of the topic that is dear to me as a cat person is the way in which we interact and communicate. Many people say 
and, and even many veterinarians say, well, dogs are much better because you really understand when they are getting upset before they will bite. Like cats are a little bit more cryptic and difficult to understand. They look fine. And then a second after they are lunging and scratching or biting you. And I think this is just a, a, a lack of training to recognize the way in which cats do interact. They come from solitary ancestors and they didn't develop a, a body language and, and communication skills as fine as dogs do. So we miss a lot of elements, right? If you are designed by Mother Nature to live alone, why you should spend a lot of energy in developing communication skills? So for this reason, cats are very passive coping. That is, they sometimes they just uh, stay quiet and they lay down and on the couch and don't do anything. But it's up to us to understand when they are having a happy life. Sometimes these difficulties in communicating it translates into problems. Might be aggression, it might be inappropriate elimination, but other times it does not. And you will see, for example, a young one to two years old cat that it's not doing anything and it just stays in a corner. And uh, everybody say, oh, it's so sweet, it's so calm, but actually that cat might be suffering because there is a reason why it's not expressing himself, right? It's not running around and, and uh, doing the crazy things that a young cat should do. So this is very important. There is some research that shows that cats, they do need their distance to feel safe in their own space. Cats, they have an elegant way to communicate when they like someone, which is using proximity. That is, they just stay close to us, but not necessarily in contact with us or not necessarily doing the, the dog things like jumping or licking or bringing toys. Everything is more subtle. Everything is more elegant. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's important for us to recognize that maybe just having the cat close to us without the need to hug or kiss him or squeeze him, it's better for the cat welfare. Many behavioral problems of cats, they do actually stem from this, this uh, difficulty in communicating for example, a lot of uh, inappropriate elimination problems, they are treated using what is called a multimodal approach, right? See if there is a medical problem, but also trying to address how the cat is feeling in their own environment. Comfortable? Uh, what about relationship with people? What about relationship with other cats, with dogs? Uh, so living comfortably and respecting the nature of cats, it's my number one priority then the other one is, I always say that cats, they always look gorgeous, even when they are 12, 13. Uh, sometimes we don't even recognize an older cat. You don't see a lot of white hair. They always look uh, very, very nice and cute. Uh, however, there's plenty of evidence that elderly cats, like, like people after a certain age, right? We start to have uh, like our back pain, our knee pain, and cats do have the same problems. There are studies that show that there is radiographical evidence, actually x-rays show that cats, they do have some degenerative diseases in their joints, but they are very quiet. Again, they're very elegant. They don't put up a, a big fast. They just re reduce their level of activity. So it's up to us, 
especially us as veterinarians, to learn how to recognize this physical disease that might interfere with the behavior of a cat. So this is another aspect that we will cover when a behavioral problem is a sign that there is something wrong with the physical health of that patient. So that this is the other topic that's very dear to me. And I would say this is probably more uh, vet-oriented. So speaking of communicating with cats, you, along with Dr. Megan Heron, who's another MVC speaker, wrote a book called Decoding Your Cat. And you guys will be hosting a meet and greet session after your track ends on Saturday. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, sure. Decoding Your Dog and Decoding Your Cats are the official books of the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists, of which I'm the president for a few more months. I had the pleasure to work with Dr. Heron on Decoding Your Cat. And we are co-editors together with uh, Dr. Debbie Owitz. I think these are great tools for veterinarians and the general public because they are written by veterinarians, specialists in behavior. I always tell my students that we are the only professionals that can recognize what is wrong with the health of an animal with a holistic 360-degree approach, which means we can recognize if there is a physical problem, if there is a behavioral problem, and how these two interact. And so we have a very good understanding of what might be going on with your dog and your cat. What we have asked to our college members was to use this privileged approach to write books that are accurate from a a scientific standpoint, yet accessible to everybody. Uh, So I think there are great tools for vets because you can read it yourself, but also you can recommend it to clients that want to access a good peer-reviewed source of information, but easy to access, accessible to, to everybody. And yeah, I'll be Happy to uh, meet and greet and sign book copies after my talks. I think at that point, I would be very relaxed and smiley (laughs) after having done all the job. (laughs) Just get you guys some wine and you'll be all set. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, you can come with uh, with your copy uh, of the book to have signed and a glass of wine for us. (laughs) Sounds great. We'll be there. Is there anything else you want to mention about your sessions or about yourself before we close? I'm very passionate about all of these. And um, in fact, we are now uh, with my group at at Penn working on uh, a project that wants to investigate the relationship between physical and behavioral health. And I do think that the future of veterinary medicine and of veterinary behavior, it goes in uh, this direction. So I I really invite all my veterinary colleagues to uh, join us for these sections and uh, contribute. I I, I want the talks to be interactive and uh, my experience is limited, right? I see the cases that I see in my clinics, they are sort of self-selected. We are a referral hospital. But I think that the veterinarian with the capital V is the general practitioner. 
that, that does a lot of prevention and it sees uh, all type of animals. So I really look forward to hearing from everybody on uh, their experience with cats and their health and problems. So bring your cases and bring your wine. Yeah, bring your cases. <laughs> Let's discuss the cases, keep the wine under the table, and then we can drink <laughs> it after the talks. <laughs> so if anybody wants to get in touch with you or connect with you prior to the conference, where is the best place to get in touch? My email address is readily and publicly available. The, the Pen Vet Behavior webpage, there is a page with my profile and my email address is there. All right, great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you about cat behavior and um, wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I hope after the talks, we really have some time to sit and enjoy some wine and chit chat. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Learn more about cat behavior by attending Dr. Siracusa's sessions on Saturday, February 19th at the MVC. Afterward, be sure to join him and Dr. Heron for a meet and greet. Bring your copy of Decoding Your Dog and Decoding Your Cat to have it signed by the authors. A limited number of copies will be available for purchase. To learn more about Dr. Siracusa's sessions, please see the show notes or visit mvcinfo.org education. The 2022 Midwest Veterinary Conference will be the best of both worlds. Attend the live event in Columbus, Ohio from February 17th through the 19th, participate from afar via our online virtual platform, or enjoy everything the MVC has to offer by signing up for the hybrid event. Registration is now open. To see the program of more than 345 hours of education, meet our 70 plus renowned speakers, and browse a list of more than 100 exhibitors and sponsors, please visit www.mvcinfo.org. We hope to see you at the MVC in February. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks again to Dr. Carlos Siracusa for being on the show. And thank you to our listening audience for tuning in. As always, please feel free to visit fullyvettedpodcast.com for show notes and to provide listener feedback. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Like the show? Please submit a quick rating and comment on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners like you. Until next time, stay safe and be well.